Welcome to See You on the Other Side, where the world of the mysterious collides with the world of entertainment. A discussion of art, music, movies, spirituality, the weird, and self-discovery. And now, your hosts, musicians and entertainers who have their own weakness for the weird, Mike and Wendy from the band Sunspot. Episode 293 of the See You on the Other Side podcast, talking about crisis and the paranormal. And this seems to be the exact time we want to talk about uh, crisis and the paranormal, because this is weird. Um, (laughs) Like, you know, everything has been kind of weird lately. And so this is the time when we want to say like, okay, if everything's still going to be weird for a little while yet. What are we going to do to kind of work with that and handle it? And so just to kind of start out during this weird time, Wendy and Allison, what have you guys been doing to stay centered uh, when the rest of the world is getting just a little bit (laughs) topsy-turvy? Staying centered. Uh, Well, for me, the great thing about it uh, was that it really hasn't changed for me. Um, I was already working from home, so... I was already just uh, interfacing with people over the internet since about August. So so things really hadn't changed for me, except that uh, my husband, uh, who is a, a public school teacher, uh, he he had to start teaching from home. So I was able to help him from, from that because I my side hustle is teaching uh, English over the, the internet uh, to Chinese students. So um, for, for me... I, I've just been doing this all the time since August. So it was like no different except that now I have a buddy to work with uh, during the day. Okay. As someone who works from home, even before this, did you have any kind of like coping mechanisms for maybe working in the same place where you live? I mean, yeah, kind of well, a different situation. I, yeah. I, um, I just feel that being at home, uh, in itself can help you develop more of a work-life balance. Uh, I know it's it's uh, tempting maybe when you work at home to to make your life just all work and no play. But since you're already at home, you know, you could start incorporating some play into your life as well. It doesn't have to be all work and no play. I mean, you're at home, so you have, you have. I, mean, I don't know if I want to hear about my sister, my brother-in-law, and the kind of play you have integrated into your <laughs> oh, life. Oh man! Yeah, yeah. He he has hey. joked about that. <laughs> what's, um, what's the joke? Yeah, no, no, just you know that. Uh, and anytime Mike, you get bored, ears. you've got your significant <laughs> inner. What you have your significant other right there. So um, it's. Uh, it's great to have this extra time with family, I think, for everybody. And I think if you just change your perspective about it. And and for me, I, I've, I teach Chinese kids. So I already kind of knew that this was coming in a way. I mean, I didn't, didn't realize that everything that's happened there would happen here. <laughs> um, but... I knew what they were going through because the kids invariably would share it with me, of course. And um, it was very scary for them. But yet, I mean, I would see them every week. And, you know, their lives, although they weren't going to school um, physically, you know, they were still 
you know, being fed and getting proper rest. And, you know, yeah, you're cooped up. But I mean, no one's torturing you. I mean, there are good things that you can uh, welcome into your life now. And the hustle and the bustle has decreased. So, I mean, that's a positive thing about this. So, I mean, it is very difficult to think about the positive sides of the situation uh, because of all the suffering that we know uh, people that are going are going through out there. I mean, it's not me suffering, and I'm thankful for that. And so what my position has allowed me to do is, is you know, reach out to like all my friends over all these weeks and find out how they're doing, if there's anything that we can do to support them. So, um, and my husband has been shopping for the elders in our family so that they don't need to go out and put themselves in, in harm's way, you know, cause they're more vulnerable to the virus. So, um, this staying at home, you know, refocuses you and it, it can refocus you on positive things if you let it. Uh, sure. Of course, you know, I, w- I would really suggest a news fast. And I would suggest that not only, uh, you know, via, you know, watching TV or radio, but also, you know, maybe watching it on, you know, social media as well. I mean, there's been a lot of craziness on social media. People denying that this is happening well, and besides, making up all kinds of scenarios. Side po- besides the See Another Side podcast yeah. and everything else, I think uh, you should not watch anything. <laughs> yes. You can help it. Just, just watch just, us. We're going to give you the it, news, but also a positive spin. But everybody has their own opinion about what's going on. Everybody yeah. has their opinion about what's happening with the reaction to it. Right. And, what's, and, and, and the thing is, is that... You know, what I've discovered, because I, I've been reading the whole thing. I read Reddit slash conspiracy every day, which oh isn't boy. necessarily a good idea. Um, this but is supposed to be about being healthy, Mike. Well, right. And that is not the <laughs> healthiest thing in yeah. the world to read that every day. Um, but I tell you what, it certainly is interesting to, uh, you know, read those kind of things and then, you know, see how people are feeling in the world and realize that everybody's having a different perspective right now. And some people are freaking out in, in certain ways. Some people are freaking out because they're they're at home stuck with people they don't want to be stuck with. Yeah. Some people are, you know, and, and if when you think about how many kids are stuck with um, with abusive parents. And all those kind of things. Like, there is a real reason to freak out right now. But at the same time, there are ways that we can kind of handle it in a positive in, in a positive way. And so I think, Allison, the first thing you're talking about is the news fast. Like, go in there and start, like, just close off the flood of information that's coming in all the time. Because, number one, you don't always know which sources you can trust. Mm-hmm. Um, but number two, people are going to get, you know, the thing is, if we think that uh, discourse between people is what makes for a healthy political environment, things, we know how the social media, people talk to each other politically over social media, that's just going to get worse. Right. And so, so like, kind of like the first thing I would say is close the floodgates. Yeah. And I would suggest, too, that get the news from maybe people that you know. I mean, what I mean by that is instead of believing like Fox News or whatever, maybe look around you to your local community and the people that you actually know uh, 
and the people in your family and see what they're going through. I mean, reconnect with reality in your local sphere rather than trying to understand things in abstraction. I think well, I think that's a that's a great message right yeah. there. Like when it's going like so what you're saying is um look at the people around you. And and this is the one positive thing before we get into like paranormal ways people have dealt with it. Yeah. Is how, like reconnecting with the people around you that actually matter. You know, right. I mean, I think we found ourselves uh social media makes it really easy to care about things on the other side of the planet, which not that we say we shouldn't care about them. But there are things happening in our own backyards and things happening with our families. Yes. Um, and these you know, are the people of, you can help. There's a lot of people that I know that they'll say like, oh, my God, didn't you hear about this? And they'll get all outraged about something. <laughs> Haven't you like, heard about the mole children? What about the mole children, Mike? What about the mole children? But then they'll go and they're like, well, obviously, I haven't talked to my mother in six years. That stupid bitch. And yeah. you're like, OK, I get it. Um you know, there's a whole world out there of horrible things happening, but maybe this is a good chance to think about the people in your own life. Right. Andy? Because we know they're real. I totally agree with that. And I also think that if you're curious and you want to educate yourself to find trusted resources online that are, you know, like scientific <laughs> journals and actual like the people that are doing the research on the virus, rather than reading opinion articles about people who think like, oh, the testing statistics are only showing this or that. Like, just find out, you know, there's there's some interesting information out there. Do with it what you want. But um, I find yes. that reading that rather than reading the opinions or just everybody spreading stuff around that they heard, I yeah. heard that this makes it worse or you're likelier to get it if somebody sweaty touches you or, you know, it's like, hold on. <laughs> what are the people that are actually researching it finding? And just, you know, stick Absolutely. with that. And then, of course, stick with your your local people and your family and friends and stuff like that but well always worry about information sources that are designed to do two things sell you advertisements and to get you clicking like think about those things number one and i kind of you know we could have a whole discussion about media mainstream versus independent <laughs> versus conspiracy so Th that whole world we could talk about um but let's talk about things that you can do in the crisis from a paranormal perspective. And All right. Why, you know, and the way that our brains activate and, and things like that. And the thing is, the first thing we, we need to think about, I think, is anxiety. And um, I mean, anxiety seems to be, maybe this is because of social media. Anxiety seems to be more in the news than ever. And people are feeling constantly anxious this is before this is when we had a regular world and we weren't i wasn't speaking to you from my freaking basement <laughs> right wait but um, mike you're not in the basement you're no, floating on a psychedelic uh i am mandela pattern of some sort. <laughs> yeah you're journeying into the center of your mind right now mike <laughs> for the listeners mike's mike's background is a is kind of like a kaleidoscope thing going on Yes. Uh, so Sam says, uh, mole children, crab people, and killer clowns. <laughs> oh, killer clowns. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, my favorite things. You know, what I love about that, Sam, is that for a Halloween show in the year 2000, uh, Wendy and Ben and I were like, we're going to play Killer Clowns from Outer Space, that song by the Dickies. Such a great and song. It's an awesome song. And it's the theme song from the movie. And we're like, it's going to kill. And it certainly killed the audience's interest in our band. Oh, no. Um, 
<laughs> just we're like, like oh killer clowns you guys love that song like this is gonna be funny and everybody who gets it and then we play it and then nobody got and it's got the every, the little like circus da 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 like as part of the guitar solo it's so brilliant right but yeah there were three people in the room that were really into it me mike and ben right and everybody else was was like wow you guys are stupid so thanks for that, though, uh, that reminder of my failure. Um, <laughs> it's always but, there for you, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> but Because it makes me feel anxious. Yeah. Yes. No, but the thing is, we all feel fear and anxiety at some point in our life, right? Like it's, Oh, it's, absolutely. It's, and, you know, it seems like social anxiety and stuff like that has increased. And But now we're at a point where are we feeling anxiety about not just other people in the way of... Um, anxiousness like what are they going to think about us now we're worried about are they sick are they going to think that we're not doing enough against the virus yeah are, you know are, we're worried about what people think of us when we go out in public yeah yeah you get know, in your house if, if you don't have you know what happens when you don't have your mask on at the right time you get judged yeah. <laughs> and everybody's like looking at you right you know, they, people are cracking you know, there was a guy, there's a, a full adult, he must have been 30 years old yesterday at the playground I take my daughter to. And, and so we were walking around the playground and I, she asked me every day, can we play in the equipment? Aww, and I'm no. like, no. I'm like, no, little girl, you will get sick and die. <laughs> no, I don't say that to her. Jeez. But I do say like, no, we can't play yet because people are still getting sick and there might be germs on the, on the things. And she seems to understand it. This guy is sitting on the swings, just cranking out the swing. <laughs> just like going, like he's going. Just pumping. Know, and, and I'm like, is this some kind of act of civil disobedience? What's he oh doing? Oh my gosh. You know, what is the, you know, what is the point of that? But the thing is like. And then I kind of watched him as he like walked away. And I'm like, where is that guy going? Maybe he, um, he needed some exercise because the gyms are all right. closed now. The gyms are all closed. Uh, but the, the, it was just an, an interesting thing. Like, why is he deliberately disobeying the order that the playground is closed? This adult, not a kid who doesn't know the difference, but an adult. And that's his way, whatever, of, of coping, that he's dealing with the anxiety. And it's, uh, um, I mean, anxiety is a good thing. In the way that if we did not feel anxious, sometimes when we actually were in a life or death situation, not just at the park, like in the swing set, but we're actually in a life and death situation, anxiety makes it so we're afraid of something that can kill us. And that's our amygdala response, right? The amygdala, when you're getting down to the lizard brain, we have this part, the brain stem, which is the first part of us that evolved, and the amygdala is part of that. And so we have this... Um, response in our amygdala to things that we should be afraid of because they might kill us. Yeah. So Alpha. that's that's like uh, the in in the times of prehistory, you know, when somebody was out there on the savannah and they saw the grass moving in a certain way. Well, oh hey, they might think there's a lion about to pounce. I'm seeing that in the grass and they run, right? And maybe there's not a lion there, but sometimes there is a lion there. So the, <laughs> Better the people- Better safe than sorry when yeah. it comes to lions. The people who ran away more survived and were the descendants of those people <laughs> many, 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 right. many, many generations yes. ago. So we're the ones that prevailed, the really anxious neurotic ones. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So John Dreischka, our, our Patreon from New Jersey. He Hi, says, John. You can't, you can't enter stores in New Jersey without a mask. 
Also, all playgrounds are So they must have implemented the rule there then. The masks. Yeah, the no mask. Well, um, New Jersey, uh, New York, and uh, actually Michigan are the hardest hit states right now. So, so yeah, they they are doing whatever they can to limit the spread. I mean, obviously, that guy's probably not going to be the guy on the on the playground by my house. Probably isn't spreading the disease or whatever. But the thing is, um, it made me anxious of what he was doing. Yeah, right. Yeah. and I was like, I'm like, why is that? What's and I that get all it. about? Like, he's, maybe, maybe he's like, hey, you are taking away my. Like this is unconstitutional. My personal what we're doing. freedom, yeah. And it, I mean, yeah, yeah, you're it's limiting absolutely, it. I mean, it's absolutely unconstitutional what's going on here. But the thing is, is this? I mean, what what kind of where's the um, trade offs we're making? And and I feel I feel anxious myself because I'm like I don't want him to do that, but yet I support his right to do that. But yet the governor would not support his right to do that. So it's coming from it's coming from all sides. And, and yeah, off the walls. For all you know, the guy might have just. Needed a few minutes of like clarity and a little exercise, <laughs> right. and he's just like, you know what? I'm just gonna go. To, I'm gonna pump on that swing for five minutes, and then, and then I'm good. gonna, you know, go into the decontamination decon- booth. It might not have been as <laughs> right. as much as you read into it, just because of your anxiety, no. you know, like. And you're absolutely right, when it, 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 I think to me it was a matter of that all of a sudden I am seeing people break the rules right in front of me and that makes me feel anxious at the same time right and so I, I guess we're going into all of these things where our amygdalas are firing <laughs> over stuff that um, stuff that's not a lion right yeah. absolutely and- so here's the thing um, we have these innate responses and the the difference between us and maybe some other life forms I don't know but I do know that we are, at least most of us, thinking beings. So, I mean, it's hard when you get those those deep responses, like from the lizard brain, to remember that and to activate your frontal cortex and and use those things in combination and and like really deliberate and say, well, I have the time now to think this through, and so I'm going to recognizes those I recognize those responses as they occur and I'm going to think through them like should I I mean is this a situation where the anxiety is driving me in the correct direction or is it driving me in a counterproductive uh, direction so we can we can think about it and that's the the gift of this situation now is we have the time. We have the time to focus inside ourselves. We have the time to reconnect with family members. Everyone who is essential to your life is probably with you now. And you have um, this break from, um, you know, this merry-go-round that we've been on of, you know, productivity and just going to work and just, you know, all these things that we wish we could have a break from. And now you you have it. So let's not let this opportunity pass. Yes, you're going to feel anxiety, but let's think about it. I also want to, I just want to stand up for a second for the people that, because um, we were talking about this in our Sunspot live hangout on Thursday and and our guitar player was saying that, he thought it was going to feel luxurious. There was going to be a ton of time. But in reality, and for, you know, 
working couples with kids where both parents work and now they're also homeschooling or trying to manage their children, you know, doing schooling online. Actually, they have less time. Um, mm. Like I have the luxury. We, we don't have kids. So I have gained, you know, by not driving to the office, that's an, like an extra hour for me. It's like, hey, it's a free hour. I can even if I just meditate. <laughs> but then I realize that there's people who are trying to cram in meetings, they're teaching and then they have their their kids, they're bouncing back and forth. So it's kind of a unique situation for everybody. Yeah. Um, so time is not necessarily a guarantee, like extra time isn't necessarily a guarantee. Certainly. Yeah. So I would say for oh, no, everyone, this is, a, this is a total nightmare for parents. Yeah. Right? Just, like if you don't have school or daycare, this is a complete and total nightmare, especially if you have to work from home or even worse, if your job <laughs> oh, no. or even worse, if your job's gone. And you're right. applying yeah. for unemployment, and the unemployment's not coming through because the system can't handle it. Right, exactly. Like right. These, state, these states, these state systems where unemployment comes from, they're mm. only designed for several hundred thousand people. Yeah. They're not designed for a million people. And we've got like 16 million people in the country on unemployment. So the thing is, your anxiety is real, and it sucks. And the thing is, your amygdala is firing off. And it's it's firing off not from something that we understand. It's firing off from something we don't understand. Yeah. And, um, you know when they when they removed amygdala or they had a, you had a, a chimpanzee that had uh, a, a damage to their amygdala, you would find that chimpanzee like like doing dangerous things because it no longer understood fight or flight. It no longer understood anxiety. It would just be like, oh, that looks dangerous. Let's take a look at that. Which is like <laughs> we all have friends. We all have friends like that, and maybe with they, damaged they might, amygdalas, they absolutely might have damaged amygdalas. I mean, they also might be sociopaths. Um, but, <laughs> Lovely. I mean, they, they could have damaged amygdalas. Well, you know what I thought was interesting is, uh, you know, one of the first things I thought about uh, when this whole thing happened was that everybody always talks about the um, what's known as the Chinese curse. Right, right, even though it's not Chinese, which we'll get to. Ooh. Right. May, may you live in interesting times. And that was the point. The point was like, oh, interesting. Because interesting can also be something positive or something negative. And um, so they even call it the Chinese curse. And it's like, oh, my God, is it really like the Chinese have that kind of thing? I mean, it, it, it's a long history in China. Um, and it goes back to like the 19th century speeches of uh, like an English politician by the name of Joseph Chamberlain. And, um, you know, he said that he had heard it in China. And in the, in the 1930s, this guy comes out and he goes, you know, I was talking to Austin Chamberlain, who was the brother of the prime minister at the time, uh, not Wilt Chamberlain. <laughs> nice. <laughs> no, but whoever was the, whoever was the, the prime minister of, uh, United of the United Kingdom before Churchill and everybody says that he tried to appease Hitler and he's obviously not thought of as the greatest guy in the world because his I mean without him we wouldn't have had Winston Churchill and so maybe his actions were necessary but at the same time uh, and also he was trying not to get people back into a world war because after World War One um, people were like we don't want to do that again um, mm. but so Austin Chamberlain the brother prime minister uh, they were having uh, a discussion with this French guy, Frederick René Cordier, Jr. I don't know Jr. How do they say it in French? Uh, and he, con he concludes the letter with a rather, you know, like re regular, we were living in an inter interesting age. And this Chamberlain re responds, he goes, many years ago, I learned from one of our diplomats in China that one of the principal Chinese curses heaped upon an enemy is, may you live in an interesting age. 
Surely, he said, no age has been more fraught with insecurity than our own present time. That was in 1933. And, uh, you know, where the Chamberlains, who one one was a brother that was a prime minister that was appeasing Hitler. Uh, the other was a diplomat. Neville Chamberlain. Neville, thank you. I thought... I kept on thinking of the Neville brothers for some. I would, <laughs> I would the Neville brothers uh, because of that, but so that like, but their father had said that he heard that from a Chinese guy, and there's not really, it's not really Chinese. Like he may have been drinking with a Chinese guy at a time the Chinese guy said it. And, but yeah, what, but there's no documentation. It's not a traditional Chinese curse whatsoever. Just oh. yeah, and but there were other there were other. Um, uh, curses that went with it. It wasn't just may you live in interesting times. Another one was um, may you catch the at- the attention of those in authority. <laughs> okay, I like that one. That's interesting. Yeah, yes. Uh, I think there was a third one too, but I'm not remembering it right now. There's the other. The thing is, why it's like it's like your friend that gets a Chinese letter like tattooed on him, or like a Hebrew word oh, no. tattooed on him. You know, it's it's kind of like they're like in Hebrew, this means badass, and then you look at it, it's like the Hebrew word for cabbage, and you're like, um, <laughs> well, you let, let's be honest, cabbage is pretty badass, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I do like cabbage. Right, okay, I can't deny. Um, but there's also like the idea that. Uh, you know, man, the Chinese word for crisis is uh, danger plus opportunity. Yes. So I, I like is that, that true, you're going Allison? that way, Mike. Uh, I don't know. But uh, <laughs> there are um, actually 80,000 Chinese characters and there's only 26 letters in English. So I got a lot of learning to do. But um, <laughs> what you just said, you know, those two, those, the combination of a crisis or you know danger and opportunity um so i know that this is a challenging time for everyone but don't let the danger take away the opportunity for you there's a lot of opportunity in what's going right going on right now and uh don't don't miss the opportunity that uh is also being presented to you you might have to look look for it really hard but uh, you might be able to find something in this that you can use um, to, uh, f- you know, for the benefit of yourself and your family. Right. Because the thing is, um, and this is why, you know, what I was thinking about before, uh, you know, that I said that whatever I think about this or whatever you read or whatever your friends are talking about and all the people that are raging on social media, whether, you know, uh, for this, uh, for the lockdown, against the lockdown, shaming people who are out in public or saying you should go out in public, whoever's doing that, remember what you think about this, like the big picture doesn't matter because like the people in charge have made the decision. So it's up to us to try to make the best of it and to look at the situation from where we are and then say like, okay, um, this is where we need to chill out or this is how we can have a positive impact. So if we look at the ways we can make positive impacts in our own homes, in our own families, in our own lives, um, like if we're thinking of, if we're worried about the global conspiracy and that Bill Gates is doing this whole thing, don't worry about Bill Gates. Uh, he, you know, don't worry. Whatever Bill Gates is doing, it doesn't matter to you. Like we have a, um, we have a, a way that we can 
take care of the people in our lives. And that seems to be the one thing that we do have control over. Like we'll never have as much control as Bill Gates. And maybe we don't want it, though. We might not want as much control as Bill Gates. Right. Of course not. You don't want to be Bill. I mean, obviously, you don't want to be a lizard person. (laughs) And I'm not saying he's a lizard person, but you guys have used Windows like ME, right? So you know <laughs> nice. that obvi- obviously Bill Gates. Wait, here's Mike, a lizard, we're talking lizard about... person for you right here. Oh, we're yeah, talking about staying, but <laughs> let's let's not focus on Windows ME because one of the techniques for meditation is to focus on the present moment, there not you the past. Go. Yes, there Don't you go. Don't worry about the future. Just this very moment, the now, <laughs> and that's and that's exactly right. Because let's let's start. So I know. Okay, we had to kind of talk about the whole thing in order to get to. Um, like get beyond the weird stuff. Like everything has to be said before we can start talking about ways uh, that we can use spiritually, paranormally, mm, whatever you want to think of it. If you, even if you're a chaos magician, you might be like, I don't believe in anything, but I believe in focusing my will. Okay, chaos magician. Um, you can be an atheist and still believe in focusing your will and focusing your mind. And so let's talk about different ways that we can... Um, change our present mindset to where when you're watching the news and you're like, oh my God, we're all going to die. How do we change that? And I think the, I think the most popular way right now is through meditation. Um, so Wendy, what were you going to say about meditation and kind of ways to take that anxiety and maybe tell your amygdala, there's no lion here. <laughs> well, we've talked about this so many times before, uh, you know, and but it's, it's worth bringing up just the, the fact that meditation is kind of like a free escape from any situation. <laughs> and one of the meditation techniques that's very well tried and true is the mindfulness technique where you focus on, you know, you just focus on your breathing and or it could be an activity like, for example, I'm just going to take a sip of coffee. Hmm. I'm going to focus on the texture and the flavor and the temperature and just only think about that and let everything else, the current stress of the situation, the worries, the concern I have for other people that are dealing with worse situations, just all of that is in an instant poof. (laughs) And so the mindfulness technique is really useful. And they say to, you know, just don't think about the past. Don't think about the future. And it's something that uh, prison inmates often it's it's a technique for coping for people who have long sentences that um you know they don't want them to sit and dwell on their regrets and how they got there and all that it, right what do you do if you kill like what what do you do if you're in prison that's like that's a i never even thought about that well i was looking to try to find stories from people who have dealt with like tragic situations or things that you know and i i just to to preface this no this situation we're in is not you can't compare these things. You can't compare it, but but you can look at what well, actually, ways that Wendy. I'm sorry, you you're not living with a uh, three year old, so <laughs> I, you know, I will I will compare this to prison. I think that it's worth looking at ways that humans in the past have dealt with situations that were difficult, that were uh, you know where everyone's kind of or a large group of people are going through a similar kind of thing. So I was looking for stories like how people survived the Great Depression, techniques that they used, um, people. Like even as extreme as concentration camps, like 
Imagine what those people had to do. And I'm not likening these situations by any means, but it's still interesting to see how humans have dealt with things. So one of the articles that I found was a a story um, from a man who spent 27 years in solitary confinement, and he was providing some tips on making the best use of the time alone. And I have to say that uh, this article, he's very, very, the optimism and the positivity was kind of the key here. But one of the things... That how, said, wait, how long how long did he spend in solitary confinement? Well, it's 27 years, but he was, it wasn't Was this Nelson Mandela? No. It was just he he was accused of murder and then while he was in prison, there was a prison riot where he was accused of five people being murdered in the riot. So okay. it extended yeah. his situation. Um and of course, there's like there's all kinds of controversy around whether he actually did that or not. So, but to the point of <laughs> just wanted to read one of the things that he said. And, and he said, um, I've watched quite a few people fall apart, lose their minds, but I went in another direction. So 27 years later, I'm still sound in mind and body and spirit. I attribute that to just reading and cultivating myself. That's the thing. When you're thrown upon yourself, you realize you are more equipped than you realize. A lot of the system keeps us from realizing our own power, and it's a good opportunity for people to tap into that. So he was kind of looking at everything from the perspective of his own inner ability to improve and to, to sure. use that time to cultivate his own self. <laughs> and I, I love that you included that, Wendy, because um, I just want to add that, um, you know, there have been people who uh, experienced uh, concentration camps, like uh, Viktor Frankl, for example, um, wrote a, a great book that people might want to check out right now called uh, Man's Search for Meaning. So it's not, again, it's not a beach read. Like I've read. No, it's an awesome. It's a, it's, it's a life changing book. But don't just be like, don't be like, you know what, I'm gonna take this to the beach. No, take Take uh, the Da Vinci Code to the beach and save this one for like reading a chapter a night for a while and then meditate on it. Yes. Um, So, I mean, there have been people in uh, terrible situations that uh, have have overcome those situations. You you mentioned Nelson Mandela. You know, we have Viktor Frankl. We have um, we have Thich Nhat Hanh, for example, who um, he's he's a Buddhist and uh, he. is a great person to to look into many of his books uh you know he he uh lived through the the vietnam war and a lot of uh different traumas um that went on with the people there and um so he's a buddhist monk and he um just you know his methods are very accessible and um i would really recommend um, his some of his techniques, like like you were mentioning, Wendy, you know the technique of as you're doing something, you know, really be in the moment. Um, Scott and I call it eating the orange from reading something from a Thich Nhat Han book about like how he was eating an orange and having this incredible like spiritual experience. I mean, something that we take for granted every day, but. But just, you know, wondering about existence, about how he got here and how the orange got here and, you know, how, um, you know, the fact that the orange is so nourishing and, and so uh, beautiful and and just so refreshing and, you know, how it's a miracle that all these things have come together in the form that they currently are. So you can live your life 
in a moment. Um, and you can also use those breathing techniques. And, and I have some more to talk about as well, Mike, whenever you think it's the appropriate time. Um, I've been doing some uh, 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 Vim Hof um, breathing techniques, and uh, he has some interesting advice for this time mm. as well. Well, I think we should talk a little bit. We're going to get to Vim Hof. Um, definitely, because he's the balls, obviously. <laughs> he's um, a popular fella right the, now. You know, yeah. <laughs> right. And, f- and for yeah. good reason. For well-researched you know, reasons. The University of Wisconsin has, um, the, you know, the Center uh, for, like, Consciousness Studies. And, right. you know, we have a whole thing. Like, the University of Wisconsin in Madison here, where Wendy and I are, has a center specifically based on meditation, who was started by uh, Richie Davidson, who actually, yeah. he actually worked with Stanley Krippner back in the 1970s at the Miami Institute in New York. Uh, for sleep oh research. wow! I did not know he yes. worked. He worked at Maimonides. Oh, they he, did a lot of cool, very paranormal work. So Richie, at M- Richie Davidson was like Stanley Krippner's assistant on a bunch of stuff. And so I did and, not know and he's that. He's like buddies with the Dalai Lama or whatever. Like uh, they might be lizard people, but they're cool. <laughs> and and he just wrote a great book recently too. I forget the name of it, but, but the thing um, is, I would recommend that book as well. And so it's like somebody was working on the staff, uh, Dr. Charles Raisin. Um, how does meditation help during extreme situations? When it works, it calms the body and mind, even in beginners. Although it's important to emphasize that not everybody benefits from meditation, like our mother, Allison. She went through a family tragedy, and she <laughs> tried transcendental, transcendental meditation in the 70s, and she says that she just couldn't do it. Aww. And like everything in life, it's not necessarily for everyone. For people who have actually learned to meditate previously and have an active practice, mindfulness can help put things in perspective. This can also be hugely helpful in extreme situations and can help people think more clearly. And... Um, you know, people think that, you know, asking about misconceptions about meditation is like some people think that meditation is really difficult to start. True. In fact, it's easy. <laughs> oh. Right. It, it does seem like, you know, you think like, oh, my God, it's gonna be hard. But if you just, you know, if you try for a minute, two minutes, you know, when they're talking, they're talking to him. They were discussing the, uh, you know, remember when all those kids were trapped in a cave? Mm-hmm. Right. Remember when all those kids were trapped in a cave a few years ago? Um they were talking to him about, uh, you know, like, because they were, uh, it was in Thailand. And so. Oh, yeah. I do remember now. You know, their soccer coach was a, a Buddhist monk and he was using meditation well, to calm their minds. That's lucky. Um, while they were stuck in the cave. Like, right. Yeah. It's lucky they had a Buddhist monk because if they would have had me, I'd have been like, we're all going to die. <laughs> we got to get out of here. We're going to die. Right. And that, that, um, so. Panic can actually exacerbate the situation, you know, especially in a cave. You know, if you have limited oxygen, oh my gosh. you want to make sure that you're calming yourself so that you're using less ob- uh, oxygen right. at that point. Right. So the thing is, so meditation, obviously, um, you know, it, there's a physical aspect to it. And getting there and in extreme situations, the first thing, focusing on your breathing. And also imagining, like... See if you can feel all of your different parts, like your extremities. Whoa, whoa. Like think about right. Yeah, <laughs> but no. And what I mean is, so like when you think about meditation, you're thinking about like, hey, I'm feeling my fingertips, and you're like, okay, my fingertips aren't touching anything, but I can, they can feel something. And then, but as you imagine energy going through your body, you can feel that different part, even though nothing's happening there. And so there is a physical aspect to meditation um, that can take you out of the moment and into yourself which is where you might need to go in moments of extreme anxiety. And that's what right. Wim Hof, the Iceman, 
that's what he specializes in is that kind of body control. So, Allison, yes. what does Vim have to teach us at a time? And what are your experiences? Okay. I'm, I'm curious well, to hear about this. Okay, so um, I'm just at the very beginning of this and, you know, still trying to wrap my head around it. So I do have obsessive compulsive disorder. So I I just want to share with people that that sometimes, you know, you might be listening right now. And if you're in the same boat that I have been in, you might be thinking, focus on my breath. That's the last thing I want to do. That gives me extra anxiety. And and I used to experience that as well, because even in yogic, you know, yogic traditions, Buddhism, you know, you name it, if you're doing some kind of meditation, there are lots of different varieties. So transcendental is different than mindfulness, for example. There's, there's chakra meditations. There's many different kinds of meditation. So um, if mindfulness doesn't work for you, don't stop there. I got to say that. But also, if you're feeling anxiety about the meditation itself, just know that that is not unusual either. Um, I felt that myself, you know, like sometimes when I'm breathing, I feel like I'm not doing it right or I can get myself so worked up that I, I feel like um, I, I can't breathe or I can't get enough oxygen. You know, when I focus too much on something um, in the unhealthy kind of OCD way, which I've dealt with all my life. But uh, the thing about Wim Hof is he has particular types of techniques and um, I... I have been enjoying them because I haven't fallen into that same trap um, because you're actually, you're hyperventilating when um, you're doing Wim Hof's method. So you're getting an extraordinary amount is, of oxygen is that like to your hot, system. Isn't that bad? Do you need the paper bag? Uh, no. Actually, is that actually, like hot um, yoga? The whole it, hot yoga is the... <sighs> <laughs> no, no, those are different. You know what I'm talking no, about. Oh, techniques. Hot yoga? Like that, it, yeah, it heats, yeah. It heats um, your breath. Yeah, yeah. There's so much breath work you could do. And actually, there's another book to the side here, which I have, I'll have i have to grab in a moment. It's called Get High Now. It's about <laughs> if you want to change your mental state. Yeah! Um, but Mike does. There's a little post <laughs> postscript. It's called Get High Now, so people would buy uh, the book. But then in tiny little letters, it says without drugs. Clever. So, Yes. Boring. So there are just a, no, but not. It's not boring. <laughs> That's the thing. There's a ton of techniques in there that can change your state of mind right now. So if one doesn't work, you can try another. It's just a book fo- a book full of cool. incredible methods. So if one doesn't work, don't give up. Just look at it like play. Like I'm gonna try this and see which what weird thing it does to me. And have right? you had success with any of these, Allison? Like, is there any special um, one that you found that worked really well? Well, um, like I said, a lot of the breath techniques really kind of stressed me out um, because of that that just hyper focus. Oh, sure. On the breathing. But um, with the Wim Hof method, you're getting a lot of oxygen. So I didn't have that fear that, you know, I'm not getting enough oxygen. Um, And it's a little bit simpler than some of the techniques in uh, the Get High Now book, which are just, they're very ordered. Like in the past, I've made like recordings of what I'm supposed to do. 
and then listen to the recording ah, of myself cool. so that I could make sure I was doing it right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, one of my OCD things is not <laughs> feeling like you're not doing something right. But um them off, you know, although, you know, you can go like or you have been able to in the past go study with him personally. Um, he beyond that I thought you to study with me. He makes so many things free on YouTube. Like there are so many techniques that he he gives you everything right there and he does it for free um, because he's not, I mean, he has become an international superstar, but really what he wants to do is he wants to usher in this new wave of evolution where people take control of their minds and bodies. All I can think of when you said an international superstar, though, was that line from Rock Me Amadeus when Falco is like, I am a superstar, so popular. And that's all I can think of. <laughs> yes. Jim Hoff also said, like singing along the Rock Me Amadeus. I, and I, he's sitting in totally ice and like, melting the ice. He's totally right. a goof. And I was thinking, totally Jim Hoff, superstar. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one for Easter, yes. Wendy. <laughs> Absolutely. So um, his methods are very simple. Um, he usually does a cycle of like 30 breaths and um, where you take it all in, but you don't let it all out. And uh, he does have, um, he does have many um, videos and just a a audio file too on YouTube, um, which leads you through it, the 30 breaths. And then there's, there's a hold at the end for like 75 seconds and um, where, where you're not breathing. That's where you pass and you, out. <laughs> no, and then you suck it in again. Ah, and okay. uh, you feel incredible at that point mm. um, after the cycles. So um, I I would really suggest going on YouTube. And he did um, an interview, which they have a, a really good snippet with, um, with Russell Brand on his podcast, Under the Skin, um, recently. And it was all about the coronavirus. The reason why... He thinks his method could be effective against bacteria and viruses is because um, not only has it allowed him, his method, to to um, accomplish extreme feats like, uh, all right, so he and his students have climbed Mount Kilimanjaro Um I think a couple of times now they're going to try to do it again in September if all these restrictions are are lifted. But they they wear boots, but uh, and shorts, and then that's it. They they climb Mount Kilimanjaro, you know, essentially in their underwear, and they don't do any acclimatization whatsoever. And then uh, one of the times they did I'm it, in my they underwear were able to right do it now underneath this entire thing. <laughs> Of course. Well, you know, none of us need to be wearing pants. Another benefit of the situation. What are pants? So, um, I hate pants. Pants are pants. Anyway, (laughs) I know. But he was able to uh, climb uh, Mount Kilimanjaro in his underwear with uh, 30 of his students in 28 hours. He went to the top and got to the all the way to the bottom in 28 hours. It usually takes. Um, regular climbers, uh, five days. So, and people, uh, there were mountaineering um, 
societies that were like, you are going to die. Yeah, that's, that seems dangerous. Are, Especially, yes. like, what's going to happen to your willy? And you have to acclimate to the different altitudes, right? Yes. So there are actually uh, two books. Um, one book that um, was written by uh, Scott Carney, which Called is about- Frozen Willies. No, <laughs> yes. So search frozen willies on Amazon, and it'll just be fun to see what you get. But anyway, no, just search the author's name, Scott Carney. I'm listening to uh, the book right now, and um, I do I have it here? Oh yes, it's called it called it's called What Doesn't Kill Us. So it's just detail. Yeah, if you want if you want detail about this method. Um, check out What Doesn't Kill Us. But the new book by Scott Carney, um, which elaborates on uh, not just Wim Hof, but other methods as well, uh, is coming out uh, on Monday, actually. And uh, we're recording this on Sunday the 12th. Uh, so it's coming out on Monday. It is called The Wedge. So it talks about how you can actually modulate responses that have been thought to be involuntary up until this point, up until oh, wow. uh, Wim Hof, at least. Um, they have thought to be have been thought to be completely involuntary. Now, let's get back to how, why does Wim Hof think that he can activate his immune system? Well, um, he has shown in tests with scientists, in uh in studies under controlled conditions that he could uh, be injected by something called um, endotoxin. And it is um, something produced by bacteria, but uh, before they inject it into you, they, they make sure that it can't cause you any real harm, but it tricks your body into thinking it can. So when you get injected with endotoxin, you immediately get very severe symptoms, flu symptoms. And Uh-oh. what they were amazed about is they injected Wim Hof and it had no effect on him. <laughs> he was able to do his breath technique and turn on his immune system to completely stop responding um, in the way that you would typically respond to this injection. So, so Vim but Hoff, the scientist Vim Hoff should be at the front line of the coronavirus. Yeah, yeah. So, so he did that in I believe it was two thousand eleven. Seriously, okay, He's Superman. So he did that in two thousand and eleven, and then um, just in I believe this is two thousand fourteen. Um, they repeated the study with his students because um, they they had initially thought, well, you know, everybody's physiology is a little bit different. Perhaps he's just some kind of weird anomaly, and it has nothing to do with he's, the technique he's itself. He's obviously a weird anomaly. Yes, but no, he isn't because he's been able to teach these things to his students. So they did this other study, Boom. and uh, you can find it online <laughs> um, uh, through uh, NIH, um, and it's voluntary activation of the sympathetic nervous system and attenuation of the innate immune response in humans. And this is where uh, they studied uh, several of his students. These subjects um, had been... They actually had been, um, they weren't his students. I shouldn't say that. Um, They weren't his students originally. They were just uh, volunteers that had just been um, carefully selected uh, by um, the researchers. So as not to be 
uh, you know, just to, to be more of a random sample. So um, they selected uh, you know, a bunch of people, and um, then they had some of them uh, get Wim Hof's method and some of them didn't. And then so they were able to see that Wim Hof's method really works to um, activating the immune system, which, you know, we didn't think that we had conscious control over. But he's he's showing that uh, we actually have many, um, many ways uh, we can or many things we can control that we thought were completely involuntary. He's been showing that uh, he his method, you know, is busting these myths and you know rewriting a new chapter. So I, I I'm very excited to get the the new book by Scott Carney and to continue working on this. I'm not not so excited about cold showers. That's part of the method too. But um, yeah. hey, we live in Wisconsin. Let's use <laughs> the cold. You know, it's like funny, we, Allison, we, you know, I'm not you, moving you, anytime soon. You focused on a certain kind of method, the Wim Hof method, and yeah, what I've been doing to alleviate stress li- lately is um, actually a, a funny thing um, because I was a meditator every day for a long time, and I did my like, mm, you know, I did the whole th- whole deal, and. Um, oh, you were you were chanting Om. Yeah, I did the Om chants, <laughs> the mantras, you know that kind of thing. Yes. Um, yeah. So it's mantra meditation again, uh, another different form. And uh, uh, <laughs> there's a there's a, cer- there's the a certain there's a certain Doctor Wayne Dyer meditation that Wendy and I have done. That's <laughs> like he, the thing is, and he chants it in your ears when you listen to it. He's like, ah, uh, and his um, breath goes on forever. Have you done it together? No, I no, just I bought it and then that, I shared it with him. Thing. But the, also the problem is that when I go when I try to do the um uh, I've got a, my cat uh, freaks out <laughs> and so like he he attacks me when I try it and so but I was having trouble um, quieting my monkey mind yeah uh, during meditation and so I started doing the rosary because you already you already know the prayers uh, if you already you know the it, prayers <laughs> if you already know the prayers. <laughs> Uh, Alice and I grew up RC, Roman Catholic, and sure. so, mm-hmm. um, but it was it was a way to like do the same kind of thing, uh, but just have it be a little bit easier for me at least because I was saying the prayers instead of focusing on some kind of mantra or even worrying about trying to manifest something, because I was trying to practice chaos magic for a, a couple of years. Where oh, I did not with know this sigils <laughs> and the whole thing, and like I tried firing sigils in different ways, all these kind of different ways. and. It was an interesting thing, but it always felt very um, silly. And chaos magic can feel silly. This idea that uh, you f- you you focus your will on something, and then you fire the sigil off, and then you might be in this mystical state through meditation. Or in chaos magic, there's a ton of masturbation stuff. Yes. Yes, it's all masturbation in chaos magic. What? Yeah. So sex magic it's, to it's to empower. Oh, yeah. Like it's, it's to, this idea, you know, using the orgasmic uh, response to right. empower uh, your sigil, for example. And, and, yeah. But the thing is, chaos magic all felt kind of somewhat, not necessarily selfish, but it just felt like uh, you're trying to recreate your own belief system. And so when I was thinking, I was like, I was like, well, there's already a belief system a million people are doing. So why don't I just try something? Just do the rosary, and I found it extremely calming. Um, it takes about 15 minutes to get through 
and the rosary, if for you non-RCs out there. Yes, as, please, as illuminate our, us. As our father, uh, as Allison and my father would call the Catholics, he grew up a Christian scientist. So, like, he grew up in a cult. <laughs> yep. And uh, so he would call us. He's like, oh, yeah, you're an RC like your mother. Um, so with, with the rosary, what you do is you, you uh, have a, a bunch of beads it's a it's a prayer psalter is what it's called. It's, it's a grouping of par- prayers, and so you have a bunch of beads, and then you say a prayer, and then you you go to each bead, and each bead is a hail mary, hail mary, full of grace. That's nice because it helps you keep track. Prayer. Right. So you go through the beads, and then you get to the end of the one bead thing called a decades. So you say ten hail marys, and then you say like an extra thing, and then you say an extra thing for like Our Lady of Fatima. Uh, who we discussed in the Marian prophecy uh, episode. And then you go on to the next one, you say in our father, and then you go on to the next one and and say another one. And so you do this like list of prayers and it just kind of, it's just a way to like chill out or whatever. And it was invented by the Dominican priests um, maybe like 800 years ago. Uh, But the thing is, a lot of people say that there's been miracles associated with rosary prayers. And wow. the most in like there's been a bunch of miracles associated with them, but I t- I, t- I take any miracle before the twentieth century with a grain of salt, because in the early days, and we discussed this in our St. Patrick's episode, in the early days, uh, the Catholic Church didn't really try to do much. Uh, in like researching miracles and making people saints. So people in the early days of the Catholic Church were just made saints by being particularly holy and, and praying a lot. And it wasn't until like the 20th century where they really went in and they were like, okay, we got to check out these miracles. And in fact, they will send out atheist scientists to investigate the miracles and make sure that each particular miracle couldn't have another explanation before they make a person a saint. And um, one of these interesting things happened in Hiroshima in, uh, you know, August 9th, 1945. We know what happens in Hiroshima. Um, They drop an atomic bomb. Now there's four Jesuit priests, like really close to where the bomb dropped off. They survive the initial bombing. These uh, Je- Jesuit priests, Hugo LaSalle, Hubert Schiffer, Wilhelm Kleinsorge, and Hubert uh, Seislick. And they're at the rectory of the Church of Our Lady of Assumption, which is one of the few buildings that survived the bomb blast. He writes in his diary, uh, Father Czajlik, that they only got injured a little bit and the windows broke inside the church. But they didn't, uh, you know get hurt. And they were like less than a mile from the explosion. The doctors who take care of them afterwards come in and say, look, this radiation is going to kill you. Um, You were not very far away from ground zero of where the bomb dropped off. And like, you're going to get radiation sickness. Even if you don't feel it, you're going to get it. Well, they don't die. They don't even get radiation sickness. 1976, 31 years later, Father Schiffer attends the Eucharistic Congress in Philadelphia and tells his story. He confirms everybody's still alive. Nobody's sick. They're examined by doctors, he said, 200 times over the course of the years. And there was no radiation found in their bodies. And he said, well, what happened was we prayed the rosary every day. And 
That, that's amazing. That's what protected us from what happened. And he's like, we were living the message of Fatima, um, from Our Lady of Fatima and her appearances in uh, the you know early 20th century. And we prayed the rosary every day. And he said that was the, mir- the miracle of Hiroshima, that these priests ended up being okay, um, even surviving, surviving a literal nuclear blast. And they at- attributed it. And what I think is interesting about that is because when you look at miracles of the rosary, there's stuff that happens in the 17th century. There's stuff that happens in the 15th century. All that kind of stuff, you're like, okay. Well, back in the day, they saw the Loch Ness Monster every 15 minutes. In Madison, we had a, you know, in the 19th century newspapers, they saw a lake monster like 25 times in the second half of the 19th century. So how much can we believe their newspapers? But what, things that happened in the 20th century in modern medicine, during a time when even our parents were alive, this miracle happened. Right. So that's what I think is very interesting. Very yeah, going back to look at things that have been verified. You know, when you're when you're looking for truth, I mean, really take verification seriously. Right. Okay. Oh, here, here, a little ball busting here. Thank you, Scott. Uh, going back to my <laughs> chaos magic discussion. So you were doing your regular hobby and calling it magic. Quite the magician over there. <laughs> <laughs> Quite uh, the magician over there. Yeah. Hey, Scott, you were the focus of my sex oh, magic. Oh man. Uh, oh. Okay, Mark Johnson. Sounds like you could focus your mind on anything as long as you're focusing and not thinking about stressors. Is that way off base? And you know what? I don't think I don't think no. that's way off base at all. That's the you know that's the idea is that. It's changing your focus from something negative or something that's making causing you anxiety at the moment. And as long as the lion's not eating you, right? Um, right. It's okay to change your focus for a few minutes. Right. And it's okay to, you know, try to try to use whatever is happening in a way that's constructive for you. So, you know, we're talking about refocusing, taking control, taking agency, uh, and you know, that's going to look different for everyone. Yes. But these are just some examples you can use. The mantra uh, thing, I mean, Mike, if someone isn't uh, in the in the RC club, you know, you could <laughs> you could still use that concept of repeating something that's calming or, you know, just use you could still use the beads if you wanted to keep track. But, you know, it's just the the, the idea of focusing on right. something that's you- like a mantra of whatever nature It doesn't have to necessarily be religious or it could be whatever your own belief system, something from that. Sure. And it, it could be an affirmation. Like, um, who is that guy on Saturday Night Live? Smalley. Smalley. Al Franken. Stuart Smalley. Al Franken. So, right. that me, so maybe rewatch those on YouTube. And, yeah. Uh, or you could use a song lyric or something, <laughs> anything that you find comforting that just, you know, I'm good enough. I'm or funny. Enough. No, but honestly. Right. I mean, it doesn't have to be deadly serious. It could be funny. It could be playful. And here's that book, everybody. Oh, oh yeah. No, I, I have I, Get High Now. I bought it as the ebook, And so it has games yeah. you can play. And then the thing about yeah. Get High Now um, without drugs is that it fi- By James Nestor. It fi- Check it, it out. It finds little ways that uh, your mind, you can trick your own mind and stuff like that, even in a non-chemically uh, altered state or not like... 
we talk, we talk about chemical alterations, but also remember that meditation can cause the same kind of feelings right. that uh, psychedelic drugs can. You know, there's there's a couple more things I kind of wanted to talk about when it came to uh, paranormal ways of dealing with crisis. And one of the most interesting things I found out about was the patron saint of stress. What? Hey, there's a patron saint of stress? Patron, I did not know that. There's a patron that. saint of stress and of crisis. There's a couple different ones. And one is named Padre Pio, who is a 20th century state who was who uh, canonized by... Um, Pope John Paul II, and his story actually deserves a whole episode because he's a, he's a stigmatic, like he, his story is called yeah. and, and there's Satan he, and stuff. He could fly, perhaps, um, but he could I know a lot about him. He could Yes. That's awesome. I know a lot about him as well because um, in Milwaukee on Brady Street, we had a, a doctor who, you know, practiced there for like 50 years and was, you know, honored uh, by the medical association, was was a real doctor. But uh, what he would do um, in his off time is uh, do presentations around the country about Padre Pio. So um, there are people even today uh, that are devoted oh, yeah. to uh, Padre Pio um, and his miracles. So, um, yeah, <laughs> that's a, that's a good uh, internet search right there. But the first person you pray to in a time of crisis is uh, Saint Dymphna. Hmm. So uh, Saint Dymphna, now she lived um, supposedly in the 8th century, but her story is first recorded in the 13th century um, in France. And she was an Irish saint. So sometimes she's called like the Belle of Ireland or whatever. And, wow. Wow. Um, so let's let's go back to the uh, the seventh century here, and let's talk about Saint Dymphna because she is one of the first people you pray to when you're in some kind of crisis. And I'll tell you why. Her story is, well, let's just say, like most of the saints, her story has a trigger warning involved. So Dymphna is 14 years old, and her mother's a Christian, but her father's a pagan, and he's a he's a like a lord king. He's got a little fiefdom in Ireland and the mother's a Christian uh, probably converted by St. Patrick a man and um, her dad's a pagan but when she's 14 years old she says I'm going to be a servant of the Lord and takes a vow of chastity shortly thereafter her mom dies and her father Damon loved his wife so deeply he was just depressed for months and he starts going crazy after his wife dies the thing is, this is back in the seventh century or whatever, and they're like, well, you got to get, you know, you got to get remarried. Maybe you should remarry like a chieftain's daughter or something like that to unify the kind of tribes or another king, a princess. But he's like, I only will marry someone as beautiful as my dead wife. Oh, so he's and vain. They can't find, well, yeah, he's vain. But they can't <laughs> find anybody. And so what he does is he's like, I should probably marry my daughter. What? No! Did I write this story? I said trigger warning. <laughs> so yeah. she learns oh. of her father's intentions. And she's like, no way. I'm not getting involved in any of this Greek bolt. And she flees the country along with her confessor, her priest, and two servants and the king's fool. That's the best part. She takes the fool along with her. And <laughs> they go to Belgium and they take refuge in the town of Giel. And so once she's in Giel, traditionally it's said that she uh, built a, 
a hospital for the poor and sick of the region and because she had money because her father was a rich king. And then she, uh, you know, so she's trying to take care of people. She's trying to, you know, be a saint. And her father eventually hears about this and he sends like men to go after her. And he goes to Giel, Belgium to find his daughter. And then he kills her priest. And then she says, he says to her, you got to come back to move to Ireland. And she's like, no way am I coming back to Ireland and being my father's wife because that's weird, dad. So in their fight, he cuts her head off. Aww. At 15 years old, he cuts her head off. This is... This is... This are, is what are we this talking is, about here? <laughs> how is this, how is this Saint, relaxing? This is Saint, Saint Dimphna. <laughs> I'm, I feel really relaxed right <laughs> now, Wendy. <laughs> so what happened? I'm just... Just rem- I'm just thinking of the fountain of yeah. blood, like shooting out of her neck. That just oh, whoa! Man. I could fall so asleep centered. right now. Sweet dreams. Okay, well, I know, but this is this is how saints get created, and that's why I'm going into. This. Yes. So she's beheaded by her father. Um, she's like both her and her priest are martyred. Um, the the residents of the town buried her in a nearby cave, and so uh, some say that her remains are in like uh, a shrine to her in Massillon, Ohio today. But the thing is, is that the hospital that she built is still there. Wow. So this hospital in Belgium has taken care of, so she is the patron saint of uh, the mentally ill, the nervous, runaways, the emotionally disturbed, and those who suffer neurological disorders. Um, the patron saint, the survivors of incest and sexual assault, but also anxiety. So when you feel anxiety, you say a prayer to St. Dymphna. And the interesting thing is that that hospital's still around. And in fact, they don't call, um, like they call the people who are their patients that they take care of. They don't call them patients or, you know, they, they call them boarders and that they're just staying there for a little while. And they give mentally ill people and stuff, jobs and stuff like to do in that town. And so this happened in the seventh century, supposedly, but the, her story is first written in the 13th century. But the thing is that hospital and that the town of Geo Belgium still is a place that's a safe place for people who are mentally ill. And that's why St. Dymphna is the uh, patron saint of anxiety and the mentally ill. And you pray to her when you feel extraordinarily anxious or, you know, anxiety, and that she will, you know, she will pray to God for you. Because that's the thing about saints. Saints can't do anything because only God has power, at least in the Catholic Church. Saints can't do anything for you. But they can pray for you. So you pray to the saint to pray for you mm. because you think that God right. likes the saint better than you because it's a saint <laughs> and you're just a sinner. That's right. So they intercede and, right, for they you. Inter- so that's what they do. Right. You pray for intercession on your behalf from that saint. And so that was an interesting thing. I'd never heard of St. Dymphna before, but her story obviously was very gruesome um, and gross. But... She is, but and stressful, you might say. <laughs> I'd say it was stressful. But what happened is that it ended up having something where um, you have a very modern idea of how we treat mentally ill people, not just sticking them in a Utica crib um, like they would have done in a 19th century sanitarium, but by giving them jobs and something to do, um, 
and this was started in the in the 13th century. So this idea, um, it just, I don't know, it's a patron saint story, but also had a kind of nice, obviously not her beheaded is a nice ending, but the ending of what happened in the town is something positive that happened. And right. Saint Dimphina, making the world a better place. St. Dimphina for, is a comforting presence for a lot of people yeah. who feel anxiety. And she can, she can, uh, she can be an example of, you know, you can't control everything, but you know, can you make the the world better? Uh, can you make your own community better? And that's what she did. You can't control everything when your dad is a freaking pervert. <laughs> that's right. Well, you know, what else, you guys? Uh, is there anything other thing in particular? Um, like, is there obviously? You know, mantras might deserve their own episode at one at one yeah. time because I think that the idea of the mantra, it's not just because I think of a mantra as like, okay, I'm Stuart Smalley. It's a daily <laughs> affirmation. It's just like you go back into yourself and you're like, yeah. okay, we're gonna we're gonna kick some ass. We're gonna do well. We're gonna make sure this is, it's gonna be a great day. Nice. You know, you have that kind of <laughs> yes. Well, um, I found um, through the years I really like a certain kind of uh, yoga called chakra chakra yoga. So um, that does incorporate some chanting for the different yo for the different um, chakra areas of your body. So what do you chant? And <laughs> I'm not gonna do the chant live, but oh, um, I would just come say on, that's prime I would just say check out chakra. Sorry, <laughs> so, check out. Um, chakra yoga uh because again this is another uh, another tool for your toolbox they might not all work uh for you i mean you got to find the one that works for and you if you're I'm, a chaos really... magician you'll need one tool in your toolbox oh geez yes yes you know which one you've got in your toolbox mike but um beyond that uh there are a lot of different techniques you can try chakra yoga is one of them um i liked I like uh, some of the different chants because, um, you know, they don't they don't mean any. I mean, they they are supposed to activate certain areas of your body, but uh, unlike transcendental uh, meditation, which is, you know, it's tied in with venerating a guru, which I don't go in for. Um, chakra yoga is, you know, more about you know reconnecting with your own energy and your own power and uh you know some of the yoga poses like uh the camel pose oh man i have such trippy experiences with that one wait hold on so I, you're on video let's see the camel pose. okay no no i'm not that's I, for the patreon no only, i can yeah. possibly do it <laughs> yeah i was gonna say yeah patreons get to see alice and trout the camel pose yeah you're bending all the way back so uh there's no way that you you can possibly but do is it. it a, is it a dromedary um, camel? <laughs> I don't know. Like, I'm just making a joke about you. So anyway, camel pose um, does really funky things. I mean, um, I nearly like, I see colors. I, um, I, you know, all the chatter in my mind stops oh. involuntarily. You know, it's not like I can keep anything in my head. So it's, it's kind of an interesting switch. Uh, for me to do the camel pose and then to have you know see the colors and that this rush of energy and um you know like almost a humming in your ears sometimes wow, so cool. i feel you wow. know yeah something i'm gonna do the camel something pose trippy right now. happens so you might you might want to just try some different things and you know see what 
does it for you. But uh, there's a lot of fun exploration to be done. I'm going to do the camel pose, say a bunch of Hail Marys, and see if I can fly like Padre Pio. <laughs> uh, there you go. You got it. That's your own program. Yeah. Now, so, Wendy, what have you been doing? Like, what's oh man? Uh, okay, you've been well, meditating. You've been what? 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 How have you been uh, keeping cool? When everybody tells you you're going to die. Well, I'm a regular meditator, although my practice does lapse because I'm human. And um, so I've, I've been tr- making a conscious effort to reinstate my practice and keep it regular. Um, okay. So, and, and people who know me really well know that I'm also kind of obsessive about like setting goals and keeping the, the don't break the chain technique where you try to, yes. you know, do something every single day. And they're typically small things. So... What I recommend... The Jerry Seinfeld, don't yeah, the chain, right? Yeah. But I think um, even if you just set a little goal for yourself. So if you say like, for three days, I'm going to try to do these things. I'm going to try to meditate for, you know, you can set it something very reasonable, even if it's just five minutes. And nobody can say they can't find five minutes, you know? But right. five minutes of meditation. Do a couple push-ups, you know, do um, eat something, a piece of fruit, whatever. So like right now I'm on day seven of a 10 day challenge, which 10 days is kind of a long stretch. So I recommend starting it off with something maybe shorter and then working your, and you give yourself a little reward. So after you make the 10 days, then you get to splurge or do something really fun that you have been holding off on. So, so my, um, this is a week into my 10 day challenge and I feel like I was just noticing yesterday how much better I feel because I've been like having a smoothie every morning, getting a little exercise and fresh air each day. I've got my like push up, sit up regime, but that's, <laughs> it's not necessary, but the meditation is key. And just having that, that little tiny break in the day where it, it to me, it's just like a mini vacation. You're allowed to just forget about everything. Like it's okay. You know, whatever's happening in this world is just, it doesn't need to be in this world right now. So I give myself that 10 minutes or whatever. And, but feeling the success of being able to check off for this many days in a row, I've done something, yeah. little healthy things for myself. So I'm finding that to, to be very um, effective myself. It's not really paranormal, but but then, um, and really quick, I don't want to monopolize the conversation here, but I, I did oh, want to no, say please. that something that I want to try to do, that I have it on my list of things I haven't yet fully you know made an effort for, but the gratitude practice is something that a lot of people recommend. And that's just, you know, where you consciously take time to appreciate the things that you do have. And there's actually neuroscience behind it that, and I'm quoting this from an article from positivepsychology.com, that by consciously practicing gratitude every day, we can help neural pathways to strengthen themselves and ultimately create a permanent grateful and positive nature within ourselves. And that's just, you know, by doing it daily, you kind of train yourself to have that innate appreciation of the good, which just affects every aspect of your daily life. So I think it's worthwhile to, to give that one a try. And hopefully I can try it and report back on <laughs> my results. Sure. Well, I got to say that um, the gratitude, I mean, I, I did the five minute journal. Uh, well, I still do it actually fairly frequently. Yeah. I did the five minute journal as a habit for at least a year. And I, I, both you guys, I have been grateful for it on many occasions in the five. Oh gosh, years. thanks, Mike. So I'm grateful it, for that. Aww. Sure. I'm, well, no, I'm grateful I mean, for it, your it gratitude. Is, you think about you think about the people that um, make your life easier or fun, and then you can you think about that and you realize that 
It's easy to think about the people you want to fucking strangle. But why? Does that make you feel good? Right. It does, not, it does yeah. not make you feel good, but it's easy to think about it. It's easy to get lost in righteous anger and be like, oh my God, yeah. I'm so mad at that person and I just want to, I want to stab him. But, it, but when you think about the people who make your life great, that leads the rest of your day to be much better. And chemically, when we express gratitude and receive the same... Our brain releases dopamine and serotonin, the two crucial neurotransmitters responsible for our emotions, and they make us feel good. So there is a, like, even if you're just like, I don't like this, it's it's something I'm not enjoying, this thought process, those chemicals are going to be starting to generate. So you're doing yourself like an actual science, <laughs> something good. You're doing yourself doing a yourself chemical a favorite. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, you're doing yourself a, a, a favor that is scientifically yeah. proven. And um, I, I just want to say, you know, one last thing here, you know, just uh, following on with, with what you're saying, Wendy, about meditation. Um, it doesn't have to be for a long time each day. In fact, uh, Dr. Richard Davidson at UW-Madison, who we previously mentioned, um, he and his colleagues have found in, uh, again, um, laboratory studies under controlled conditions that they can actually change someone's brain, um, and they've verified this through PET scans, um, with as short as two months of meditation that is, is just for 20 minutes a day. So it's the simplest form of mindfulness meditation. They found in PET scans that it has um, actually changed the brain to be more like the brains of advanced uh, Tibetan monks, uh, you know, meditators who have done this for years, uh, who have whose brains they've also studied. So they can they've compared study participants' brains to um, to these Tibetan monks and found that you can have positive changes in your own brain that are, you know, verifiable by PET scan in as little as two months. And that's from just 20 wow. minutes a day. And then eventually we can all become meditators like Alexander David Neal and create a tulpa that kills our enemies. Oh, <laughs> so see, you there you go. The so, you want to talk about the fastest way to alleviate stress. It is to, uh, uh, oh, I can't think of it. To uh, crush your enemies, uh, you know, have them bow before you and hear the lamentations and uh, and cries of their children. Um, and and you can do that. You can do that. So just postpone that righteous anger for a little bit, and until so you have get to the point where you can it. create that nice. tulpa to there kill everyone. Yeah, the murderous, the murderous tulpa. But the thing is, it is important to stay positive in this time. Of, um, and I'm not just saying that as like I'm not just saying this as like a character from the movie Trolls, uh, who just says like positivity, yay! It is the thing is the best way we can conquer these kind of things is um, is to focus on how what we can do for ourselves and our family and all these kind of things. Number one, and I think that we've covered a lot of those ways today. Uh, if it's from meditation to like looking at biofeedback, like I think about my, my, my watch tells me what my heart rate is. And if I see that my heart rate, like I read, if I read an article on Reddit, my heart rate increases, I should probably stop reading that article. Um, if I see somebody online that I hate, I should probably just like, you know what? That's not going to make things better. Just block them. Like get, get it out yeah. of your life. Just finish it up. And remember that the things that sometimes feel like they're difficult to do, you have some resistance to because 
I know I've been reading lots of people saying like, you know what? I don't want to set a goal to be healthy. Like, I just want to sit here and eat and drink. But um, it might not be easy, but it's just a tiny little thing. And it's kind of like taking your medicine, you know? Once it actually starts working and you start noticing, feeling better, then it gets easier. So it's it might be a little, you know, and it's okay. It's okay to feel bad and it's totally fine to binge. Oh my gosh. Oreo, caramel, coconut cookies. Hello. <laughs> that hey, is my quarantine right. splurge binge food of choice. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> yes, my quarantine binge uh, has been potatoes. I'm like, Ooh. that's it. Pandemic's on. What is it? Potatoes. Boil up, stew them, put them I'm in a pot. potatoes again. <laughs> potatoes. <laughs> <Right>. Yes. <laughs> um, first of all, I wanted to say thank you, John, for getting the quote yes, right when I couldn't is. crush the enemies, <laughs> see them driven before you, and hear the lamentations <laughs> of the women. Um, which is from Conan the Barbarian, which Oliver oh, Stone my wrote. Goodness. And the actual, that quote is based on something from... Uh, either Genghis Khan or Attila the Hun. <laughs> but the thing is, they, they said something of like, what is Conan, what is best in life? And that's what he says um, in that particular <laughs> film. And uh, I mean, Oliver Stone is no slouch, obviously. But that's the thing. It's okay to binge sometimes too, right? Like sometimes yeah. you're going to do stupid stuff. You're going to be like, hey, I'm going to eat that entire bag of Oreos or I'm going to eat that, in, you know, and that's going to happen. So don't feel guilty yeah, and, about like living your life. And don't be hard on yourself. It's okay. Right. I, well, that's the important thing. You know, I always think, I think I've talked about this in a podcast before and in the movie Mumford, um, which is a, uh, a Lawrence Castan film from, hmm, I don't know, 20 years ago now. And there's a psychologist in that movie and he, the psychologist is talking to a, you know, like a, a nebbishy kind of character. And the guy talks about his dreams or actually sexual fantasies. And in his sexual, fa- he's even turned down in his sexual fantasies. And he's like, oh my God, this guy can't even get laid in his own fantasies. <laughs> and so even in his own head, he's punishing himself. For what? And the idea is like, there's, you know, there's plenty of time to feel bad about all of this or whatever. But you don't need to punish yourself. Uh, for what's happening in the world. Just do your best. And it's not helping anyone to feel that's bad. No, so not, why yeah. not feel good? It is not. So, I mean, I think that's a that's a good way to close out this particular episode that everybody out there, life is hard. Do your best. Don't punish yourself. And keep your community um, around you, you know? Don't be afraid to reach out to right. people like us. Exactly. Right. We're here. Um... And we're especially here for our Patreon community. <laughs> and you can find uh, the Patreon at patreon.com slash sunspot music is where you can find. And that helps keep the podcast and the songs and the videos and everything like that coming. Um, that pays for our hosting fees. It pays for our email list server uh, and little things like that. Um, patreon.com slash sunspot music if you're interested in becoming one of the coolest people we know please check that out like christine who just signed up last week Chris, thank you so christine much Christine signed up last yes. week um on this particular episode we were talking to john dreischka uh he is a patreon since 2016 cheers to you cheers. John. mark johnson patreon not too long after john actually probably the end of 2016 and has been a um patreon since then everybody out there uh actually brand new patreon um iris yes so excited to have her in the community 
Love Iris. Yes, thank you for talented this woman joining this morning, making our Easter Sunday special. We want all of you guys to remember that um, no matter what, it's going to be okay, and you're breathing, and you're eating, and you're living, and you're doing fine. So it's hard, and it's weird, and like it's just we none of us have lived through a time like this. Um, and I know to the people, like I was just talking about a guy that survived the nuclear blast in Hiroshima. Right. Or you think about the people that lived through the Ukrainian famine. Or you think about the people that lived through the Great Depression. Oh my Depression. gosh, yeah. It's... And we're like, hey, we have Tiger King. We're like, my internet went out. <laughs> I know, oh God. And those people are like, I ate shoe leather. Right. Or, you know, we have an upcoming episode about the Wendigo and um, the, the kind of things that people had to eat. Um, Ew, spoiler man. alert, they're friends. No. Uh, when right when food ran out in the you know the First Nations in in the 1500s, 1600s, the thing is, life is hard, and we get that, and it's okay to feel that way. But you know what? We're gonna make it through, and it's gonna be all right. Just meditate, pray the rosary, do some chaos magic by yourself in the room. Whatever you gotta do, <laughs> oh, gosh, to make it yeah. through. Find the positive in it. Find, uh, as you were saying, Mike, we're, we're in a situation of uh, both uh, danger and opportunity. Find the opportunity and focus on that. Pursue that. We are living in the interesting times that the Chinese didn't actually tell us about. Um, <laughs> so either way, you guys are awesome. Thank you, everybody who joined us on YouTube. And anyone in the future, please leave comments. Uh, visit us at our uh, website, othersidepodcast.com, where you can find hundreds of episodes of paranormal stuff and interesting interviews with musicians and actors and paranormal authors. Researchers. Re like very intelligent researchers and also people who star in paranormal TV shows. <laughs> and we're sorry about that. We got um, a little of everything. But either way, we'll see you guys on the other side. Cheers, everybody. Bye. This week's song is a meditation track meant to relax you in just five minutes. It's got a beat programmed to slow down your heart rate. It's in G major, which is known as the most relaxing key. It's got a Tibetan singing bowl for meditative properties. And there's even some sounds of rain so that you can experience a touch of nature. Hopefully, this will give you five minutes of peace.
Thank you for listening to today's episode. You can find us online at othersidepodcast.com. Until next time, see you on the other side. You know, Wendy, this lockdown isn't all bad. You don't think so, huh? No, you know why I don't think so? It's because we've had a chance to spend more time with our Patreon community uh, than we have ever before. Uh, By the extra live streams um, and more activity in the uh, See You on the Other Side and Sunspot private Facebook group. Uh, It's just we've been able to spend more time with the people who support the things we do. And that, to me, has been one of the most positive things to come out of all this whole uh, safer at home experiment. Yes, your glass is more than half full, Mike. And I like that. And I agree with you. It overfloweth. great. (laughs) Yeah, it seems like everybody's getting better at hanging out online. Yes as an alternative. So it's really nice to get to see people. You know, and three cheers to our newest uh, Patreon member. That's Anna H. Anna, thank yes, you so welcome, much. welcome, Anna. Thank you. And uh, we'll see you inside to see you another side. <laughs> How many times can I say see you inside in the sentence? Um, that's a tongue twister. But yes. we will see you inside the private Facebook group where we talk about uh, the latest, coolest paranormal stories that we see, fun videos, and uh, just have a discussion about the things that we talk about on the See Another Side podcast. And a special shout out to Dr. Ned. Dr. Ned. He's on the Patreon level where he gets a shout out in every single episode. So Dr. Ned, thank you for your patronage and your support. We absolutely appreciate it. And we appreciate all of our Patreon members, oh all the gosh. all the new people we've met in the last month, all the old people who've been stuck by us for years. We appreciate yes. every one of you, and we look forward uh, to the next See You on the Other Side Patreon Hangout, uh, which we're going to schedule for the end of May, and we will see what date works the best for everybody. But we can't wait to see your beautiful, smiling faces online again. Yes, thank you so much, and I hope everyone has a fabulous week. I'm going to do the camel pose, say a bunch of Hail Marys, and see if I can fly like Padre Pio.